And welcome. It's Sweet 17, I guess. It's uh, episode 17 of the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan and Jeff Johnson with you. And uh, joining us a little bit later on, a guy who has stepped into the Canadian Football League for the first time, being healthy and on a full-time basis. And boy, has Armonte Edwards looked good, including last week at Edmonton. What's up, JJ? What's happening, buddy? Armonte Edwards, are you surprised at how well he's played? I love the way he plays. I love his style. No, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. He's incredibly dynamic. He hits. Uh, he hits every route very hard, very fast. He's got that that kind of that explosive cut out of the break, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he's just got that that edge to him. Like he's he's he grinds. He he runs hard every route, whether the ball's coming to him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, not surprised at all. It's funny you use the word grind because as I was watching the game against Edmonton, um, I just I was sitting there and I kept watching them and they didn't look crisp. Yeah, for the most part in that game, and it was mm-hmm. like, okay, they're sticking around this thing, and then they ended up tying it. And all I tweeted out was "grind, grind, grind, repeat." Yes, yes. And you know that's that's the way that game stuck at me. It wasn't a pristine work of art. No. And yet, despite the fact that things weren't going well on either side of the football, well, on all three side, on all mm-hmm. three facets of the game, sure, there were significant mistakes, and yet they hung around a pretty good Edmonton team. I thought that was a. I thought it was. It wasn't a win, uh, but it was a pretty good gut check. I think it was a good a good gut check too. And uh, Edmonton, let's talk about them quickly. They've been working hard to turn it around, right? Sure. I mean, they started great, then they hit a huge slide. And they have better talent than their record indicates. I agree. I agree. But they went through this massive slide, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, guys, we've got to do something here, otherwise we're going to lose this season." Mm-hmm. And uh, and they've improved significantly over the last couple of weeks. You know, they went back to. Uh, um, they didn't get it right back to where they were at the beginning of the year, but they started to battle in all three phases. And, um, you know, hey, they did a great job of, of moving the ball and staying out in front all game. Riley, you know, was okay, um, but he moved the ball and he made made some big plays to Zilstra, and, mm-hmm. and they moved the ball well on the ground. And they still have Bowman right? and they still have Duke Williams. I mean, they've got so sure. many. Now you add C.J. Gable, which helps their passing game because now there's actually a threat oh, of a run. it up, right? Oh, yeah, and he was... Uh, he was he was, he was excellent, right? Yeah. And the Argos are still, uh, you know, a, a little, weren't completely. They don't have everybody back in uh, on defense, but they've, you know, got their deep, their deep, deep played solid. And Maybe Sean Lemon this week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Lemonator back. I know I haven't, I haven't talked to him this week as we're recording this, um, but talked to him last week, and he he's pretty close. Yeah, he's pretty close. So you get him back finally. Uh, it looks like you have your front four back for the first time all year. Perfect timing. Yeah. Perfect timing. Get it, you know, <laughs> healthy at the beginning of the year, great. You, you've got your ups and downs, ebbs and flows of the season. Let's get them back at the end of the season uh, when it really counts, provided obviously you've made the playoffs and you're in. And, uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, the, the, on the Argo side of the ball, um, move the ball well, fairly mm-hmm. well. SJ's good. Their first, not bad, are you kidding me? <laughs> right? But look at the first down. Argos were averaged over, what, between seven and eight yards per first down. Yes. Incredibly impressive, mm-hmm. right? So they were lights out on first down. They just they couldn't finish. Yeah, couldn't finish until fourth quarter, right? So stayed with them all game, and you know it got it, it was getting a little ugly early in the game, and then managed to kind of score and, and keep it close, and um, you know, and then finish late in the late in the fourth, you know, with the big plays to TS to SJ, and you know there was the turnover that hurt them, and all of a sudden it could have been oh that's wow that could have yeah. been a huge kick in the rear end, but you know what? That's where you rely on your team. Mm-hmm. Right, defense comes out, stops him, holds Edmonton to a field goal. Then the Argos turn around and score again. Right, so the, it, it was a uh, it was a great finish. Um, kind of to your point, it was a grinder, you know, chess match, yeah. close, right till the end. Every first down meant something in that game. 
Every you're right. Yeah, and when you can get almost eight yards on a first on a first down. Yeah. Right. You're sitting pretty on second. Yeah. However, when they're you know getting down uh, into that red zone area, that's where they're just lacking. Some okay, finish. let me ask you because you know the the execution hasn't been horrible and and the numbers aren't great. But how many drops, especially early in the season, did the Argos have in the red zone? Whether it was to get another first down or drops in the end zone from guys that you didn't expect to see drop the football. Yes. And all of a sudden, the numbers start going down. Yeah. That said, that's a part of the problem, uh, sure. the drops in that area of the field. Do you like the execution right now from what you're seeing? Do you like the play calling? Do you not like the execution? Do you not like the play calling? A little from calling uh, column A, a little from column B? Yeah, it's 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 a little bit. It seems to be um, fairly consistent. You know, I uh, in terms of I don't think it's one one kind of area where you know the issue is they're moving the ball well. I, I think they're still trying to. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to get. I mean, you're always working for perfection, right? Mm-hmm. And you're always trying to get everybody on the same page. And you know that that's what makes football so interesting. Because um, well, the other team's trying to earn a paycheck as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Everybody's studying the other guy, yeah. right? You're yeah. you're sitting in the room. You're you're looking at film, and and you're looking at all the nuances and where the weaknesses are of the team that you're going to play. And you know the uh, the Argos are again they're they're do, they're getting it done, but not enough. And they seem to let it down a little bit at at the wrong time, and maybe you know Ricky gets pressured, gets sacked, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I can't quite put my pulse on it. I mean, the running game was uh, not you know ten for thirty nine. It wasn't. Yeah. It's not you know. Well, I mean, they they attempted, which was good to see. Um, Edmonton did a great job of of shutting that down, right? They they did they, and it's nothing against Brandon Whitaker. It's yeah. just you know what Edmonton got the job done on the running game, and they kept it. To the air, and they hey, they're a good defense, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're a solid defense, and um, and I think with the struggles that their offense has had, um, they've looked at towards their defense to to lift them up, and yeah. the Edmonton defense did did that for them, uh, especially down in the red zone. The Argos just couldn't kind of execute on that, and that maybe you know that's where Edmonton is adjusting their game plan to, you know, have a certain defense that they show on film between the 30s and then when you get down to the red zone they change it up and then on you know maybe they're consistent for a week or two and then they they adjust and they also know how to attack Ricky Ray like Ricky's yeah. been around for a long time right yeah. so they study Ricky mm-hmm. and they know what he likes to do and where where you know maybe he can be attacked and um yeah it's just uh it's one of those things in the game and the Argos still have, have have a lot of work to do it's funny though crunch time it looked like the middle of the field uh, on those intermediate routes was just open all day whether it be Edwards whether it be SJ I mean right. it just seemed Play after play after play, it was there. Yes. And they yeah. took advantage. It was the bend, don't break kind of philosophy, right? Like there and was... take it. Jump all over it. And if it wasn't for, you know, they, they move the ball, and they're down by the three. And, and they have the ball. They're moving it. They're moving it. And then how many times do you see an offensive or defensive lineman put up his hand, and the ball goes around it? And just all of a sudden, not a, I'm not going to say it was a fluky play, because it was a really nice play by the defensive lineman. Sure. I, I can't remember who had the tip. But how many times is that pass going to go out and not get tipped? Right. And um, it, not only does it get tipped, it doesn't get knocked down. It gets tipped up in the air, in the air and intersection. And they were they were they may have been in field goal range then, close to it, because we both seen Liram in in warm up hit bombs. Right. Um, at least have the leg to get it there. Um, you know, high fifties, low sixties. Sure. He's been doing a um, little crisper in Edmonton, obviously, but. Um, you know, one more first down, certainly they would have been in field goal range. And, you know, if they make that grab, they may have gone to overtime. Know, and who right? knows what the hell happens? Well, something I, ha- I have been noticing is uh, teams are pulling off some plays at crucial times. 
mm-hmm. right? So, you know, Edmonton ran a stunt on that play where they knocked it down. Yes. You know, the D end uh, stepped right upfield, and then he cut in towards, and he drove right at the guard, yeah. at the Argo guard, right? The inside tackle went out towards the D end. Um, and it's almost like the guard was not ready for it, mm-hmm. right? And in those crunch times, that's when you have to tap into your memory bank and think back to, okay, from my study this week, what were the plays or what were the their go-to plays at key times over the last three weeks that I just looked at on film, right? And that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Yeah. Maybe it was a wrinkle that, you know, Edmonton hadn't done in preparation, and they hadn't right? Se- maybe Totter hadn't seen that. And it's right, just, that's right. Yeah. Maybe he hadn't seen it. And uh, but it worked out well on Edmonton's side. That is, you know what? Hey, those guys are getting paid. They executed that beautifully. Yeah. Yes, they did. Right? The D end. It wasn't Odell, uh, or maybe it was Odell Willis. And he, he stepped up and drove down. He drove right, you know, right into Tyler. Caught him off guard. Got good drove, push. Drove him back onto his heels yeah. and got was in Ricky's face mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. And the hands were up in the air. And there, there's the tip. I'm Mike Hogan. That's Jeff Johnson. You are listening to the Double Blue Podcast on TSN 1050. The other thing I wanted to ask you is about uh, uh, being on a special team, and uh, Martise put it on the ground, yeah. and what that does to a team on specials, because he also had the onside kick uh, recovered at the beginning of the half, which That's was, right. you know, how many times have I said the onside kick is the most underutilized play in football, and that was an opportunity for Edmonton to do it, they, they found that they were in a numbers game, yeah. and they picked up on it and took advantage and got a good hop. Um, but when you're on specials and a couple well of things like that go wrong, yeah. and it was well executed, you know, yeah. sometimes you have to tip your hat and say, okay, sure. they, they got that one. Um, the fact that they picked up on that and saw it, yeah. kudos to them to have the uh, cojones to go ahead and run it, yeah. right? Because, you know, a lot of times you'll see it, when I was on the field, we'd see it, run to the sideline, hey, coach, this is what, you know, this is what the Bombers are doing, this is what Edmonton's doing. All right, all right, well, that's good to know. If you see it again, let me know, and, you know... Special teams coordinator would Uh-oh. go to the head coach, or may not even go to the head coach, and say, "Hey, coach, this is what we've noticed, and this is what we can pull the trigger on if you want us to do it." How many times did Crawdaddy do that when he was one of the upbacks in the direct snap? Well, sure, it was it was a regular occurrence. Yeah, it, it was a, it, but I mean, we had to see the look, yeah. right? So yeah. it was like, okay, here's the look. Crawdaddy knew he knew what the look was. I made the call, and off Crawford went right, mm-hmm. and uh, but we had to get the green light to make the call. Right, it has to come from the side. Had to come from the head coach. It's not like we step on the oh, field sure. and, ha- oh, and have you know free wheel on that. Yeah. We we had to see it first. Go to the sideline. Okay, guys, you see it again. But rewind even back, you know, further. The Argos were doing that in. They showed it on film mm-hmm. for sure. They showed on film a gap or separation, some space. And it's not the first time it happened sure. earlier in the season too. Um, and then at the kick, guys are leaving. Right, they're vacating yeah. and not looking back. They're not watching to see the ball kicked. And it leaves a you know it leaves a hole and uh, great job by the Eskimos to capitalize on it and uh, you know they did their homework they, yeah. they 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 really did their homework from a special teams perspective and then and then on the Martis side you know listen I put the ball on the ground sure it's it's Every part of the game knows. of football right it's yeah. part of the game um, for Martis himself you just got to take that put it in the toilet and flush it and say gone right move on to the next move on to the next play and mm-hmm. next opportunity. Uh, but and you know, from a team sideline perspective, it can be tough as a special teams unit to, uh, you know, have a play that is deflating, and that's where your leaders step up and say, "Guys, you know what? Now we've got to make some plays on specials. We need to make up for that, mm-hmm. and you know, let's go and and cause some fumbles. Let's go and you know, cause a fumble. You know, recover the ball. Let's go make some big hits, make some big plays. Let's you know, make that block that's gonna to spring the next return for a huge return or maybe for a touchdown." Uh, you know, so that's where you you know you got to rely on the rest of your team, and but that's also where the defense say, listen, we're going to step on the field right now, 
and we've got your back, Martise Thorne. Yeah. We've got your back. One of us is going to make a play. Mm-hmm. One of the guys is going to get an interception. We're going to get the ball back. And you know, just as as much as that hurt last week, he's the guy who could do it like that the other way. That's right. He's done that against Winnipeg already this year. Yes, a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from a flop that turned into a penalty. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Cost some oh, poor woman a million bucks at once. Um, but so we'll talk a little bit about uh, Winnipeg as well. You know, Edmonton's gone through. A lot of injury problems. They seem to be getting healthy. Yeah. The Argos have gone through massive injury problems. They seem to be getting healthy. And now Winnipeg going in the other direction. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of the key injuries uh, that will leave the Bombers shorthanded this week. Uh, but when we come back, Armani Edwards is going to drop by, and we'll, we'll talk to the receiver about life in Toronto and one of the greatest FCS careers a football player could possibly have. We'll get to Armani Edwards as we continue with the Double Blue Podcast. And welcome back to the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan with you. Jeff Johnson has stepped aside momentarily so we can focus in on our weekly guest. And we'll go to the offense this week. And joining us, a man who got to be known across North America for his days at Appalachian State, but now has settled in really nicely with the receiving core of the Toronto Argonauts, Armani Edwards on the line. Armani, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. How much fun are you having in Toronto? I'm loving it. Um, the city's great. Um, the team is is great, and you know we've clinched the playoff spot. And you know it's just um, I'm just having a great time being here. You had a little bit of a, 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 an opportunity to come to Canada last year with Saskatchewan, but your first full year up here, and you're living in a much bigger city. What do you like the most about the city of Toronto? Um, there's always something to do. Um, I have my wife and two kids with me, so um, you know, in any time. They get bored at home. There's always something uh, kid-friendly that we can go out and do as a family. What have you done, what have you done specifically that you've really liked so far that the kids have liked and you've got a kick out of as well? Um, our son, well, he loves uh, Palladium down in <laughs> <Mississauga>. <laughs> he, he wants to go there every week. Uh, we've done a lot of uh, quite a few things. Uh, we've been to the zoo, um, stuff like that. I think our next trip we're planning to go to the um, Ontario Science Museum. Oh, nice. Yeah, kids will love that. And if you're into science, you'll love that too. So that's a good call. Um, you started growing up Greenwood High, and I, lo- I looked up Greenwood High. There are more than a handful of guys who came through that high school who have played in the NFL and CFL. Ben Coates, probably the biggest name. John Terry was an old Argo for a bit, and then became an Argo. Uh, he kind of went the reverse trip you did. He went out to Saskatchewan after and found his legs as a CFLer. When you're growing up and going to that high school, when you saw guys that were turning pro, did that really let you know that you had a shot of living your dream because other guys from the same high school did it? Um, well, in high school, um, when at, at that age, we really didn't look uh, to the NFL just yet. Yeah. You know, it, it's, a, it's a small, um, very small town. Yeah. We obviously had guys uh, before us that made it. Uh, the college and on to the professional level, and at that at that time, you know, we were just a, a bunch of teenage guys that that was having fun playing together. So you were a receiver for the most part in high school. Um, you turned into a quarterback your last year. Why did that happen? Um, it was actually the other way around. I was a quarterback for the majority of the time. Oh, okay. Yes, and uh, my junior year, we had a we had a guy that was pretty good, uh, Zach Matthews. He was uh, going to be the well, he was the starting quarterback. So then I went to receiver. I was starting at receiver, 
And um, unfortunately for him, he got hurt during the first game. So that's when I moved back to quarterback. And then when he got healthy, we kind of had a, a rotation from going back and forth at quarterback and receiver. It, it's funny how that works. I mean, I don't know if you've talked to Dakota Prukop uh, much about this, but he was kind of the same way where he didn't focus on quarterback all the way through high school, really until his senior season, and yet he ends up going the same route you did, going to the NC2A and playing at quarterback. Do, do you feel you lost anything with the way that your last two high school uh, seasons went as far as just getting those reps at quarterback? Uh, not at all. I was um, I was solely the starting quarterback my senior year. Yeah. So, um, you know, all throughout my football career, um, ever since I was little, I was quarterback. So um, that very small part my junior year um, that I only changed from quarterback to play a little bit of receiver. Why Appalachian State? How many offers did you have? Um, I had um, a handful of offers, um, not not as many as um, D1 schools, but mostly um, all the big schools, um, Clemson, Vanderbilt. I had a few offers from those guys, but they all wanted me as a receiver slash defensive back. So basically none of the bigger schools uh, – wanted to offer me as a quarterback considering my size and Appalachian State um, it was one of the fewer schools that was going to give me an opportunity to play quarterback and we ran a similar offense as well it was it was a powerhouse when you arrived so you go there as a freshman did you feel the pressure that you had to succeed in your first year uh, not at all. Um, that wasn't even the plan for me to to go out there and play my freshman year. Um, you know, um, the plan was for me and another guy they brought in was to compete for the the position, and whoever didn't get second string was going to move to receiver. So we had a, <laughs> we had a, um, a quarterback who helped him win first uh, title before before my class got there. He was a uh, going to be the the starter for the next two years. So uh, funny how things uh, changed after that. So how did you end up a quarterback then? Um, well, I obviously beat out the other freshman for the <laughs> quarterback position. No, uh, he's a good friend. Uh, he, he became one of our really good receivers, actually, um, in the upcoming years. But um, I beat him out, so I was second string. Yeah. And in the first string quarterback, he had actually got a concussion um, oh, the third geez. game. So that that gave me the opportunity to go in, and you know I did pretty good, and the coaches felt good about it, and they wanted to see uh, could I improve off that game, and gave me the starting position uh, the next game. And you win a national championship as a freshman. You know that's not normal, right? <laughs> Not at all, but um, I was fortunate enough to play with a a, a group of upperclassmen. Um, you know, they just came off the national title in 2005, so my offensive line, the receivers, the running back, and majority of the defense, they were all juniors and seniors, and obviously they've been there before, so I was just, you know, tagging along for the ride. You're listening to the Double Blue Podcast on TSN 1050. Mike Hogan along with Argo receiver Armani Edwards. So you end up with three national championships in your four years. Um, you win the Walter Payton Award twice. Um, the first person to do that, that's the FCS equivalent of the Heisman, for those who, who don't know that. Uh, Tony Romo's won it. Brian Westbrook's won it. Steve McNair won it. Uh, up here, Bo Levi Mitchell won it. When you look back at that career that you had, not only as a team, but as an individual, and I know you'd rather talk about the team, 
But is it is it almost like a dream that that happened? Because that's just that is such an amazing run you had at that school. As, as much credit as I would like to take for his first national title, I wasn't there yet. So um, I got two okay. out of the three. Two out of, okay. Yes, but yes, um, looking back at my career, it, it definitely uh, feels like a dream and something that I never in my life would have thought of um, going into college that I would be able to, to just accomplish um, individually. I've talked to a lot of your teammates and, and guys over the years about their NFL draft weekend experience and you went in the third round to Carolina is that kind of where you expected to go or were you disappointed you didn't go earlier were you surprised you went that high I was happy um you know I was I was projected anywhere from at the earliest um reaching second round but I I was going anywhere you know that was predictable third to sixth round so yeah yeah so you were surprised when you heard it was Carolina Close to home. What do you think? Um, at that time, I thought it was you no. Know, it was great. I could still play football in the Carolinas. Um, that's what I did my entire life. So it, it gave my family an opportunity to not have to book any flights, but instead can just drive two hours up the road uh, to come and see all the home games. So I was close to family, and obviously living out my dream of uh, getting the opportunity to play in the NFL. So everything was was pretty good. You were there for a handful of years. The, the Panthers used you primarily as a, as a returner. You played some QB in some formations. You played some receiver. Did you did you kind of become a guy without a position that you were there? You could do a little bit of everything, but you never really got an opportunity to specialize in something? Uh, yeah, I would say that. Um, it, it just got to that point where, you know, they tried me on special teams and you know, every time I was at receiver, it'd just be something quick. I never got the opportunity to go out there and really, you know, work on my, my craft or correct mistakes on routes like I can do here in Toronto, yeah. getting all the, the opportunities that I'm get, getting now. And, you know, down south, uh, the NFL, it's a, it's a quick turnaround game. It's, uh, you know, if, if you're not producing uh, – when they want you to within those first few games, a year, two years, you know, they're looking for the next guy. You had uh, an opportunity when you were with the Bears uh, to be connected with Coach Trestman uh, for a little while for OTAs and camp. What What do you remember about Mark in the NFL? Uh, he's the same guy. Yeah. You know, um, he's, he's always had that brilliant mind. Uh, he's very offensive-minded when it comes to the playbook. Um He's very technical uh, with the plays, getting uh, the route depths, being uh, in in a certain spot when the quarterback's ready to throw the ball. He's, he he hasn't changed one bit. So you're ready for camp this year. You're ready for uh, you know your second what would have been your second season with uh, the Riders, and then just before camp opens, you get traded to Toronto for uh, for Peter Diakowski. Were you stunned like everybody else was? I wouldn't say I was stunned. Um, you know, it, it did come to a to a surprise. Um, I I never thought I would, you know, be in a situation where I'd be traded. Um, but you know, once I was told who I was traded to um, and reuniting with uh, Coach Tressman and um, with Mr. Jim Pop and the things they did in Montreal and everything, you know. That excitement uh, started coming back uh, again for me. So now you're here in a, in a market where you're appreciated. They've given you an opportunity to show what you can do. 
You've been really good this year. Obviously, you have a good chemistry with Ricky Ray. Is the fun back in the game for you for the first time in a while? Uh, definitely. Uh, it's definitely back. Um, you know, I haven't had this much fun in a long time. Um, I was starting to have fun uh, last year. Yeah. Um, but obviously, dealing with a lot of injuries, is, it's yeah. never fun dealing with, dealing with those things. But, you know, when I got over here and I was given another opportunity to – to go out there and show what I can do, you know, it's just been fun, fun um, all year round here. How close is this offense to putting it all together on a more consistent basis? Because when you get those spurts, and we saw it in the second half for the most part against Edmonton, where you get going, uh, this is such a fun offense to, to, to watch play, but then it'll stub its toe at some point, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a turnover, whether it's just a couple of two-and-outs. How close are you to really capturing the consistency that you want? It's, uh, it's it's unexplainable, you know. We we're right there at that at that tipping point, and <laughs> we're just trying to figure out a way to to get on over across across that bridge. Uh, it's, it's it's right there. It's always one play or two plays here that that changes the outcome of of the game and the offense for us. And you know, we we're blessed to have clinched the playoff spot, and obviously uh, with two games left, um, first place is in our hands, and we. Just have to find a way to to go um, to to just uh, get over that bridge, get over that hump these next two games, and just go steamrolling in the playoffs. Um, I can't remember. Final question. I can't remember if it was the Saskatchewan game or the Edmonton game at BMO, but you made a one-handed catch going across the middle. That you know, for a minute, I thought it was SJ. Um, you, have you been stealing from his playbook? Uh, <laughs> yes, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been working on that? Is that something that came natural? Was that just kind of a, oh, that's all I can do is reach the hand back. I hope I can grab this. Um, I've been working on my hand uh, strength. Um, I broke my hand at the end of the season last yep. year, so that's something that I, I focus on uh, since I got here um, you know, um, regularly on a weekly basis to continue to focus on my hand strength. Uh, so I would say, uh, you know, that – that is part of the reason, but I just put it all the the Ricky Ray's balls. Uh, you know, he just have that soft touch to where it's it's kind of hard to, to to drop any of his passes once you get your get any uh, part of your hands on. Awesome, Armani. Thank you so much for doing this. It has been a blast to watch you here in Toronto this year. I hope you play up here as long as you want to. All right, thank you for having me. That's Armani Edwards. We'll come back more with Jeff Johnson as we continue the Double Blue Podcast. Welcome back to the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan and Jeff Johnson with you. That was Armani Edwards. What an unbelievable university career that dude had before going to the NFL and finally making it up here. Unreal, um, huh? Just, <laughs> if you win a couple of national championships, you're the first person to win the FCS equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. He did it twice. Incredible. Uh, beat Michigan. In the one of the biggest upsets in in the history of university football, or college football down in the states, unreal. Just a fantastic career, and to stay humble and just you know look back at it and oh yeah, I I, I don't really remember much of the game where I rushed for three hundred and thirteen yards. But uh, <laughs> what's the most you ever had, even in high school? Did you ever well, how many two hundred yard games did you have? Stay humble, like the guy's humble. Yes, he is. That just Absolutely. blows my mind, considering he was a god. Yes. For a number of years, like that is, uh, you know, I was looking at a picture of the, you know, Tennessee Volunteers uh, game the other day. 
packed house. Yeah. You know, you got, how many thousands little, of people are there? Little Appalachian right? College State. When you do that, unreal, right? when, that's a whole other level. He gets yeah. catapulted up to the, you know, the he, he's got a statue of Armani Edwards, right? Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, and, you know, as you said, you know, when I asked him, do you ever have to pay for a meal in Boone, North Carolina when you go back? And, <laughs> no, no shot. Really. Not a rare. Um, so that was fun. And, and again, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Not a rookie, though. He does not qualify as a rookie no. because he did play in, in uh, Regina with the Rough Riders toward the end of last oh, year. They let so, him go. Uh, well, they needed an offensive lineman. They had a, you know, they had a ton of receivers out there. Yeah, and it worked out well. Peter Diakowski had signed here, and uh, you know, all, all well, they got the what, smartest man in Canada. What's your favorite memory from the <laughs> Peter Diakowski era? <laughs> Never played a game here. Signs is a free agent, and he's dealt before he plays. Uh, Diakowski's a beauty. He, he is ha- a beauty. If if you if you're on Twitter, you have to follow Diakowski because he's 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 top notch. Uh, we've had some fun on Twitter over the last little while. One of it is, you know, he, as a, as a longtime Thai cat, absolutely uh, will, uh, he won't acknowledge the fact that he was ever an Argo. <laughs> I didn't play there. It never happened. Never happened. A couple hours. Yeah, yeah. but uh, he was here for a bit. But it's worked out because he started for Saskatchewan. Yeah. They ne- they needed some help on the O line. Argos needed some receiving help. And they, need, they needed a smart guy out there. It was. It's one of those trades where it worked, <laughs> right yes. for both teams. It was a win win. It was a win win. And you know, I I honestly didn't know that much about Edwards. So I remember seeing him come up Argos at the end of last butt year. On that trade, but. Well, but Peter's helped them out there. No, no, like, you're right. You know, sure. and, and and he's a Canadian offensive lineman who can start for Incredible them. Incredible value, yep. right? Yeah, and a veteran in the room. He's been That's a great right. cup. So there's that aspect to, to it as well. So now Armani Edwards comes in. Yeah, I didn't know that much about. Him. I mean, knew I knew the name from college football as a quarterback. Completely lost track of him in the NFL, even though I may have seen him play. It was I don't remember seeing him play in the NFL. Sure. And then he came here and I went. Oh, yeah, that Armani Edwards. And it kind of all started to come together. And, okay, this guy's really good. And the more you watched him in camp, it was like, this guy's this guy could make not only make this team, this guy could start. Yeah. And he just he just kept blowing everybody away. He's just the more so he smooth. He's so smooth. He he makes, uh, you know, he runs, he, he's got that style. Not, not many guys have it where they run a pattern and he just throws it. Like, he could be leaning, right, coming out of a break, and his hands will just pop up. Grab the ball very smoothly, pull it down, and, and he and but his stride is still going, mm-hmm. right? Like often when guys do that, there's a, a split second where their stride pauses mm-hmm. as they make the catch. Armani's legs keep rolling. He looks like Roadrunner. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, he's he's been fun to watch. But as I mentioned, he's not a rookie. Uh, this week the list came out officially of the Argonauts, and every team in the league put these out. Yeah, uh, players who are eligible for the Rookie of the Year this year. Um, so do you want to go over the guys who are eligible who made contributions this year? Maybe well, it's, we a, can... it's an impressive list of it guys from, from Toronto that are you know that have contributed this because year. Because we think of the Argos as being a veteran team, right? We At do. the beginning of the season, we did. We, you know, did. we, yep. we knew there were guys coming back. The O-line, for the most part, was were, were filled with veterans. And you bring in a guy like Dean, another yep. veteran. Yep. Um, S.J. Green comes over. Ricky Ray is there. Brandon Whitaker's around. Yes. Um, you thought of it as being a veteran team. You completely did, and it, what was beautiful about the way they pieced it together is you've got the veterans, and then you've got these really good rookies. Mm-hmm. Where look at the mix, like you've got veterans sure. in place that are leading these young guys. Think yeah. about where these players could get these, considering that they're rookies. Like we're talking, you know, William Campbell has had a great, great year yeah. playing left tackle, 
And, uh, you know, people don't watch the offensive line for the most part. But, no, they don't. Most got people probably don't know who he is. But yeah. to be honest, without that guy, without William out there, um, he, the left side is that there's going to be a massive hole without mm-hmm. a player that of, of his level, of his caliber, with quick feet. The guy's a giant. You can pen him in. I'm Mike Hogan. That's Jeff Johnson. You are listening to the Double Blue Podcast on TSN 1050. So up next is the uh, the Bombers of Winnipeg, and they're going through some injury woes right now for head coach, Hall of Famer, Michael O'Shea. Yes. Um, Mo Leggett out for the year with an Achilles. How much does that, uh, I hate using the, uh, this wasn't intended, but how much does that hurt? Uh, that's tough. I mean, he's one of their, he's one of their stars. He's, you know, a captain on, uh, on that team, and when you're when you're when you're lead when you're one of your leaders goes down like that, that's mm-hmm. tough. But I also know Mike O'Shea, as, as the Argos are seeing right now with Marcus Ball out. Yes, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, but I also know Mike O'Shea, and um, and I understand that they have a uh, an incredible atmosphere there. Uh, I think they have uh, you know with Kyle Walters, they've done a good, mm-hmm. you know he's been around the game for a while, and I I mean Osh one hundred percent would trust in Kyle that the guys behind. You know, Mo can get it done. You have to, right? Yeah, maybe to. not to Mo's level because he's exceptional. There's a guy, the guy on that defense, and it's been a, a very opportunistic defense over the last couple of years. Um, yes, Mo Leggett has. seems to be the guy that the ball follows around. Yes, right. You look for the ball, you would see number thirty-one there. Yeah, it was just, it was just, you expected to see him there. That's how good he is. Yeah, yeah. No, he he was uh, a ball hawk, mm-hmm. right? And um, and like kind of to your point there, you lose Leggett. But there are some incredible athletes still on that defense. Mm-hmm. Oh man, right? they're deep. I mean, Heath had a huge re- uh, interception, mm-hmm. you know, return last game, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, who's the other? Uh, who's the returner there that had a huge return? He also had oh, another big uh, pick. Not, uh, Lang- not Langford, Lang- um, Blaine Cramp. I'm, I'm, yeah, so am I. But anyhow, they've got some solid defensive players that are that are that are picking up for uh, for Leggett around him, and uh, you know what they. Uh, they played a very good football game against the BC Lions last week, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that, and again, that team has has an atmosphere that, you know, I, I know a few veterans on the squad, and they think it's the best they've ever been around, which says a lot. Really? Yeah. They and and it's just the chemistry that they've built, um, and so despite losing a guy like that, I, I think they're still going to be very good. Um, and they also lose Darvin Adams, which is. It's Not easy. Flow. We saw Darvin here, and and you know we had the discussion how frustrating it was to uh, to see Darvin play here and just never take that uh, Langford Ryan Langford yes Langford um, thank uh, you and, and not have the uh, not have the success here that I thought he was going to have yes um, we didn't get the ball they didn't no. get they didn't give him the ball Hogan you know what I uh, I really liked Darvin he was a guy that didn't say much didn't really say much at all in the locker room he was quiet. Mm-hmm. He gave everything. When he stepped on the field, he gave it all. He was a little bit rough with his routes. Like, he wasn't super smooth. Maybe but he was he big. He'd maybe make he it. didn't always look yeah. good. And I think that, that kind of hurt him, I think, from uh, you know the coaches that were evaluating him. Maybe thought, ah, he's not that smooth. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, why aren't they giving this guy more of an opportunity? Because when they did throw him the ball, he made the play. And away from where the ball was going, he was always knocking somebody on the rear end. When it came to blocking, so if yeah. the, it, it was a running play, 
he was knocking somebody down. And he had great experience at Auburn. Like he was, he was, a, he was Cam Newton's guy there, right? I mean, they right. Had, they had some, they had some pretty good days, a national championship there. Adams is one of the guys who came in here when I saw him for the first time. I thought, there's something here. Yeah. And you know, we had talked about it on the broadcast about how frustrating it was, and yeah. you know, the season of the injuries was that 2014 oh, was or 15 when, yeah. when basically you and I were the only guys who weren't dressing as a wide receiver at some point <laughs> in the season. What did Ricky Ray throw? Fifteen uh, guy, different guys got touchdown oh, passes that, that was year? ridiculous. That just showed insane. you the kind of quarterback that Ricky is. And yeah, having to adjust to different guys' speeds and oh, tendencies. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, Incredible. But, but, um, but that's know, a big loss. That's yeah. a big loss, losing Darwin. And, uh, you know, o- o- O'Shea, you know, saw what he was about. And that, I mean, he jumped on him and brought him yeah. into Winnipeg right away. And Goodness uh, for them, Dresser will be back, so it gives him another legitimate target. Different look, obviously, but yeah, another and, guy. And I think, uh, well, I mean, Weston is an exceptional athlete yeah. too, right? And um, you know that that just opens up opportunities around them. But that is a big loss. I don't. Do, did they say how long he would be out? I mean, um, do we know for sure the one game? Probably the rest of the regular season, and then they'll kind of hold their breath for the playoffs. Okay. Well, play it safe. They've made the playoffs, right? Yeah. There's there's no point You're not rushing catch Calgary. Just no. You hope to get the home game though. Like That's you right. want that buy. Yeah. That's big. Sure it is, 100%. Um, so we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. I hope he's I, – I, I, I like him a great deal and loved him as a player as well. So I love also the fact that he was able to establish himself finally. Yeah. And, and get that oppor- another opportunity. How about some of the catches he's made this year? Oh, he's, he's – yeah. So, uh, but that's a couple what of I one-handers that he's pulled out of nowhere? That's what, I've expect- that's what I expected to see in Toronto, to be My honest. Goodness. That's what I expected to see. Because you you knew it was there. You'd see him in practice. You'd go, okay, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And then you just wonder, if is he one of those guys that's just a practice player? Right. Which didn't make any sense with what he did at the NC2A level. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't always translate to the CFL. No, it doesn't. And, well, Hoagie, the most impressive part for me was not necessarily what he does when the ball comes to him or what he does when he has the ball in his hands afterwards. It's what he does away from the play. Yeah. It's what he does when he, when the ball's not coming to him. And, uh, he you know, he runs every route like it is coming to him. And he is the most physical receiver i mean i may have ever seen so he's uh wow. he, lo- he loves really? to get he lo- as from a receiver perspective wow. not a lot of guys like to hit you played with robert baker yeah yeah he was right up there with, with with baker yeah. when it comes to hitting guys yeah yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> robert baker had a knack for peeling back and getting guys on the yes. that are chasing the the ball carrier as we all know and i mean i mean one of those hits was a highlight reel across north america yeah. which was pretty pretty cool but um Yes, he is right up there with with Darvin wow. is with there right up with with Robert when it wow. comes to like you know just like just enjoying football right he likes yeah. to go out and play football sure right he's kind of a linebacker with hands and uh, yeah uh, a rather large game coming up this week for the Argos and it's against Winnipeg uh, lots on the line we know the Argos are in um, depending on when you hear this. For season ticket holders, uh, the, the the seats are on sale, and if you're hearing this after Friday. It's on sale to the general public. So if you're listening to this before Friday, on Friday the seats go on sale to the general public for the first playoff game, the only playoff game in Toronto. We don't know if it's going to be the Eastern Final or the Semi. Yeah, uh, We'll find out a big uh, chunk of that when the Bombers come to town, and we'll see if the Argos can go in the front door, mm-hmm. uh, which they still can do with uh, with a couple of wins here in the last two weeks. And the last two games were very winnable, obviously. You lose two in the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope kind of the, the, the karma turns a little bit, and maybe they can go and get Winnipeg this week. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about specifically? Well, um, I, I think... This Winnipeg team is a very good football team. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like uh, the fact that, uh, for the Argos that uh, Winnipeg is as a bit of a, uh, a locker room, you know, hurdle right now with yeah. these key injuries yeah. to a couple of key stars for them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that can take a week 
to get over from a group perspective? Or sometimes guys just go out and play on adrenaline and, and not realize what they're doing and just it works for them. Sure, it could. It could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like uh, I do like the Argos in this one, just you know because of. Well, that's of, good because you hated on. them last week and you were accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I so, also I also think that uh, Toronto needs to they need to fix some things and I and I think this is a perfect game to do it because they're playing against a good football team. It's at I, home and there's a lot of excitement around the playoff game that's coming up. Yes, and so I, this is a perfect opportunity to have a big game for the Argos. I can't see them. Uh, not being crisp this week because I'm sure when they looked at this on tape, on the video and and, and film or however you want to phrase it, um, they would have noticed that. I'm sure they noticed that during the game that it was just there's some, there was something missing mm-hmm. on Saturday night and it was difficult to put your finger on. But it just it, it just didn't look like they were as involved, if that makes any sense at all. They, they didn't seem did as you, physical as yeah. they normally are. Did you is, did you get that same sense? I did a little bit. You yeah. know, they just didn't seem to be. Uh, Getting off the ball with the same kind of grit and grind that they normally have, you know, they had that turnover on downs, and yeah. you know, there's yeah. it, it, sometimes that can be. I mean, it was only one time, but I mean, um, it's hard because it's not like we're sitting there or listening, you know, watching on TV and staring at the lines. But mm-hmm. when when you don't have that edge, it can sometimes feel like something's missing, right? And yeah, I expect them to come out really hard this game. And um, prediction time then. Close game, Argos, Bombers, bit of a blowout. It's not going to be a blowout. I think, okay. uh, you know, I think the Argo defense uh, needs to uh, have a really strong game. I, I think they're going to have a strong game. They're due for a couple of turnovers. They are due. They're due for a big game. Yeah. I think Winnipeg, with the loss of Darwin, you know, Weston is uh, up and down a little bit, right? So I think they're also going to try and figure out some stuff. I, uh, if, if the Argos can shut down... Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Harris. Yeah. Well, you're not shutting him down, but if you can no. slow him down, um, they should have a very good game defensively. Do you expect I'm, to I'm see keeping... a whole lot of Cassius Vaughn on him, or what do you see the matchup being? Uh, yeah, you're going to have to put somebody like Vaughn on a him. A good cover guy because on Because Plummer, who's the will. Uh, not that, not as fast as Andrew is. Significantly not as fast. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much how big the gap is, but Plummer's a big man, and, right? And, yeah. and Harris is fast. Yes. So you need to put some speed on him. And uh, yeah, I look for Vaughn to be chasing him down. And now in the box, that's going to be Plummer and uh, and Woods all day, yeah. right? Yeah, they absolutely. hopefully can can tighten that down. But um, I think the Argos are going to be in the twenties, and I expect Winnipeg to be somewhere around uh, you know the twelve thirteen range. Okay, there yeah. you go. So some optimism. About time. <laughs> I kid because I love um, Jacob. Dear love was missing in action today. He's not around. So I can't even ask him how the show went today. He's because playing hooky. He, he has no idea. He skipped. <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> uh, but he's he's the producer of the show. He was able to get us our money. We should say that we were usually we record at the Argo facility. Today we were at TSN. So yeah, we decided to go for a cruise across yeah, the that's, city. That's why we had yeah yeah. How was that drive by the way? <laughs> and uh, and our Armadi was uh, kind enough to join us via the magic of telephone. So uh, for everybody who was uh, kind enough to give this a listen, thank you so much for doing so. Give us the rating on uh, on your uh, if you're doing the podcast. Give us the check mark and the rating, and you know just say some nice things about the damn show. <laughs> I'm begging, oh, please. Uh, but we'll do this again next week as uh, we'll find out what happens on Saturday, four o'clock at BMO Field. Hope to see you down there. If not, we'll talk to you next week on the Double Blue Podcast.